Welcome to the Vocal Code Unlocked podcast. Welcome to our second episode. Hope you enjoyed the last one with our amazing guest, Kelly Lee, incredible artist. Um, today, I'm being joined again by my friend and co-host, Katie Holmes-Smith. How are you today? I am very well, thank you. So lovely to see you. You too. Who have we got today? My goodness, we're so lucky because not only do we get to work with the, the best in the industry, these people thankfully become our friends and today we're joined by Mr. Steve Anderson. He is a producer, songwriter, musical director for Kylie, Steps, Westlife, Louise and many many more. He is basically the whole package when it comes to creating and yes piecing together music. He's incredible. Okay well welcome Steve Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm good. Hi, girls. Lovely to see you. Lovely to see you too. We've, we've kind of, we've been keeping in touch over this uh, period. So it's not the first time I've seen you both, but it's probably the first time I've seen you both together. So that's good. <laughs> Long overdue. We miss you. Oh. oh, yes. No, I miss you too. That's the word. Yes, very much miss that. So one thing, if when someone asked me the other day, what did I miss most of all? And it actually is just being in a rehearsal with people like you because it's just fun. Yeah, oh. same for us, absolute. Yeah. All right, so let's get started with a few questions. You up for answering a few questions for us? Having a chat? Oh, go for it. Hit me up. This time on this date last year, 24th of June, 2019, where were you and what were you doing? Right. I'm going to have, I have to look and I have to see what the, what I was doing actually um, because I have been doing this quite a lot. I don't know if other people have been doing this, but I've kind of looked back. I'll give you, give you a clue. I think it's down in the West Country. It's pretty big, outdoors, lots of tents. Uh, you did a big gig, I think. It might, yeah, possibly the biggest gig of... <laughs> was I? Was that where we were? We might have been in rehearsal. That was the third... Ah, oh, in the rehearsal for that. Okay, sorry, yes. Yes, we were rehearsing for Glastonbury. We had Kylie at Glastonbury, Westlife at Croke Park, and Claire Richards at Hyde Park in the same week. So that's why it was a bit weird. But yes, no, we were rehearsing in London for Glastonbury, rather than just take an existing show that we had. Um, Kylie wanted to do something specifically unique for Glastonbury. So we went into full rehearsals and full production rehearsals because we, you don't get another shot at it. So we knew it had to be the best. So yeah, that's where we were. Thank you for the reminder. Yes, amen to that. Um, I don't remember it being quite as hot <laughs> as it, it is was, today. It was warm. It was definitely warm. And we were in the, where were we? We were in Earl's Court, weren't we? Yes, we were. We were. We were in Earl's Court for the, for the production rehearsals for it. Yeah. Yes. yes. With, with, with um, people walking around uh dressed as trees oh yeah intense yeah that was fun intense yes <laughs> that was definitely a moment yes okay so let's let's um let's dive into your role as producer md and musician so how do these roles differ and how do they cross over and what would you say the skills are involved to kind of have them all work intertwined i think from my side, I suppose musician is the basis of it because everything that I do 
ordinarily comes from a place where I have to kind of put my hand on a keyboard in some way or another and work on whether it's an original piece of music or a reworked piece of music. Um, and that hand on the keyboard is not only playing the keyboard stuff, it's programming in the drums, orchestral arrangements, everything like that. So musician, if I wasn't a musician, if I couldn't play an instrument, I think my job would be a lot harder. Although that's not to say that um, there aren't people that, that are able to do that. I mean, from a record producer point of view, I think it's, you need to, you don't have to have that, uh, that experience of being a musician because you can be an orchestrator of someone that gets a great team to say, right, you do this and you do that. Um, but I would say production and musical direction is, is very much the same thing. You're just imagining how a version of a song would sound in your head and uh, then you kind of go about creating it. So, I mean, that was a, a really great, I mean, that was a Quincy Jones quote I heard years ago, which is that's what he said is he'll hear the finished record in his head and then he'll just deconstruct it and work out how to make it. So, um, uh, and then a lot of what I do from a musical director point of view, I'm obviously blessed to work with incredibly talented musicians uh, and performers and creatives and everything. So, um, on a on a show musical director sense, I will create my version of what I think the basic arrangement is, um, but it really only comes alive when I then put that into a room with the musicians and then we embellish it um, and the artist will get involved and all that kind of stuff. So usually the, the end product is always about 20, 30% different to what I originally do by the nature of the fact you put humans into it which is the exciting bit. Wow, that, that's so fascinating because I've obviously had the absolute privilege of working in a rehearsal studio and on tours with yourself um, over the last, ooh, decade maybe? Has it been that long? Mm, at least, yeah. I think so, yeah. Because actually, my, I think my, my journey with Steve, yourself, you, it, did we start with Leona Lewis? Yes, probably would have been Leona. Yeah, so it's nearly, yeah, nearly that, yeah. Yeah. And one thing I'm always, always amazed, it's when I get to sort of sit behind the mic and I'm watching you and you're emptying everybody. And I'm often thinking, I'd love just to put on a pair of headphones and just plug in and hear what's happening in your brain. Because I often, you know, as a singer, I'm quite often just, I am just listening to vocals and the instruments are happening but I'm tuning in to my singing and the singing of my backing vocal counterparts and the lead vocalist. But I'm so fascinated to understand how do you, how do you hear everything at the same time? Or do you not hear everything at the same? Do you, do you kind of tune in and then come out, tune into something else and by something else, I mean different instruments, different parts that the band are playing. Like, What's happening in your in your brain? I tend to I do I am quite from a production point of view. I'm quite used to isolating things. I mean, ordinarily, I will have done an arrangement or a, a you know a temp arrangement that I've sent to everybody. Um, not everyone does that, I know, but this is something that I like to do: is do something where I can send stuff to the band and the singers up front so that they'll hear. Because nine times out of ten the version that, that we are going to be performing or the, or the band are going to be performing will not be the version. There'll be a difference to it, to the version that they know. Um, and because of the, 
the level of the people I work with, most people, everyone does their homework. So I normally leave the bands, you know, two or three run-throughs, you know, to get their sounds, to get their parts, to get everything. So the first time I listen to it, it's pretty much nine times out of ten, it's what I've, what I've done um, being played by a band. Um, so I can sort of discard about 80, 90% of it because it's going to be exactly what it is. So I then, I tend to hone into stuff, and this is, uh, you two will attest to this because I don't have a very good poker face. So <laughs> I will tend to hear something when it's out of place. It's right. either when, uh, when something isn't quite working the way I'd hoped or where, where, whereas I've made a mistake or where someone does something that's much better than what I've done and I want to incorporate it. So I love doing that thing where I give musicians things because I'm not like, this is it, play it like this. Um, so, yeah, when people... It, I, I, my brain goes to the thing that either sounds wrong or could be better, or it goes to the thing that is better than what I had and I want to then embellish on it. I see. Um, and, I, and my mix, I mean, nine times out of ten, I'm listening to the artist's mix, especially with Kylie, because that's just a mix of... It basically sounds like a record, so it's just a mix of everything. Um, and I do have kind of people panned, so I... You know, I try not to do that thing of, you know, if someone makes a mistake, I kind of look in their direction because I don't think it's fair. And every, and it's perfectly fine to make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. Um, but, yeah, I, I tend to discard about 90% of it. It's just the stuff that, that I need, I, the, the things that I think need attention. Um, they're the things that my mind goes to. But that also comes from being, being mixing records. You know, when, you, when I make a record, I'm listening to it maybe 400 times. I'm never listening to just everything. I'm on, one day, I'm one time I'm listening to a vocal, one time I'm listening to a hi-hat, I'm listening to different things. So just when it sounds like a record in my head, then I think it's done. I often aim for the same result, but I'd be very interested for you to hear my mix. You'd be like, Katie, that doesn't sound like a record. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing is, you have to remember, the other thing that I think is important about performers and monitors and stuff is, especially for singers, you hear your voice inside your head as well as what you're hearing in the ears, you know, and you need, there's so much stuff going on that you just need to be a hundred percent confident of what you're singing. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that's a very different thing, you know, in the same way as, our, you know, we work, we work with lots of drummers, um, you know, and in particular Tom Meadows, who's, you know, my favorite drummer and our, our great friend, you know, his entire show is horrendous if you want to listen to it on what he's listening to because he's just listening to a big cowbell going click 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 pretty much the whole way <laughs> um but that's what he needs because he's just that's what makes him solid so everyone needs yeah. something different and how do you balance that need for hearing it so it sounds like a record um and then how that is projected live because obviously when somebody hears a show whether it be radio tv um mm. or a live gig there is something so special about the way the show is put together that it just, mm. it does sound like a record, but it, there's this amazing live element. What, what do you, you know, how do you balance, how do you balance the two? Well, that when I say sound like a record, I suppose I mean that it just sounds like nothing is out of place. Mm. So, I mean, it has to have live, live energy. I mean, that's the most important thing. It's got to have that live feel. It's not, otherwise you might as well just play the, play the album. Um, and having live musicians really, really helps that. Um, I'm again it's about working with the best people I mean Kevin Pruce as a front of house engineer I've worked with for years uh and he I actually got him from um 
from actually he did Leo, the Leo, first Leona show that I think you did. Did you tell yeah, him? Yeah, that yeah. one, which I didn't do. Um, and then he did Confessions by Madonna, which I thought was amazing. And um, I just kind of, he just gets what I, he gets it. And I just let, let him do his thing. And, uh, and I, I have, you know, obviously have comments, but live sound is, I mean, that's a, a, maybe another day for another person to talk about, but live sound is so unrelenting for a perfectionist because you get it exactly the way you want it and then you move a venue and then it sounds completely different. Mm. And as performers, you all know that from being on a stage at Manchester to being on a stage in Birmingham, nothing has changed, but everything has changed. (laughs) Because one minute you're on a you're on a stage that's purpose built for sound, and then the next minute you're on a stage that's got an ice rink underneath the you know the the thing. So yeah, so yeah, I I, I pretty much spend most of my time in a rehearsal listening to what the artist is listening to and making sure everyone's okay. And then for the last few days, I disappear and go into front of house world and just make sure that's all sounding good. Mm. You mentioned a, a couple of people just answering that last question, which. Uh, Tone and I both um, are very familiar with and yeah we're so interested to hear how do you pick your team and a team can consist of oh gosh engineers musicians I'm sure styling and all those things are left to somebody else but you're as the musical director you're in charge of a whole army of people and in my experience and I'm sure Adatone is happy for me to speak on her behalf in this you're such a pleasure to work under and for and with because everything just, I know this doesn't, it, not everything will run smoothly, but for me, I've always found working in your team extremely stress-free, very organized and just very enjoyable. Um, like everything's just in its stride and it's probably all, it's your experience and all the prep work you've done. But yeah, how do you pick the people you want to work with and how does that differ from job to job? Do you just, I don't know, have a black book of people you like to use or what's your thought process with picking people? And can I just add to that as well? Do you ever get any resistance? So if you've got like a dream team and there's anybody ever resisted and gone, I don't see what you see or I don't hear what you hear. Um, Okay. Well, the first part of the question is I, I, Really, if I find, especially musicians and singers, that I truly, truly trust, and and I count you two and on uh, as people like that, then I believe that if there's someone that I trust and I really admire, and they recommend someone, that's as good as that's all I need. So I mean, musicians and singers recommending musicians and singers is initially a lot of where my my thing comes from. Um, team wise, I mean. <laughs> I think the thing that to remember is, and, and, I, and I never forget how fortunate I am, for, for over 20 years, I've been lucky enough to work with the biggest pop star on the, on the planet, basically. And, and, and Kylie has such a quality control around her that I, am, I get to kind of to, to, to pick people that are on such a level because of the fact that I get to work with a, with a really, really big pop star. And, and not only that, but someone who, who has a massive reputation for being incredibly pleasurable to work for. And is such a team player and, you know, you'll never hear anyone say a bad word about her. Um, 
So, uh, but the, I would say the attributes I go for is obviously in whatever you're doing, the, the talent that it requires to be able to do the job, um, whether that's, you know, a guitar player or a singer or a front of house engineer, just something where I would have seen or heard or something where I've gone, wow, that person's good. There's a huge amount of it which gets lost sometimes and people don't realize in a live environment, uh, personality and vibe is, is so much. It's almost as important as being talented, the ability to be able to get on. Um, and I, because I'm lucky with the, with the people that I have working for me on various different shows or working for the artists on shows, I'm working for the artists as well. I have a theory where if, if people know they're all in the same level, then they will do the work. And if you do the work, and a lot of that is homework, and I know we've spoken about this before, and I think for people listening, you know, we, we always say that the work does not begin on day one of rehearsal. The work begins the day you get the job. So if everyone turns up, and you two will know, when we do a rehearsal, we'll all be in for 10.30. Everyone will be chilling out. We'll have a cup of tea. We'll do that. We'll do a couple of hours, break for lunch. We'll do, you know, we don't, we work really hard. I just believe that, the people that I work with work well in concentrated amounts and they appreciate the fact that they can come in at a certain time, mm. they can leave at a certain time and just because we're not working 12-hour days doesn't mean we're not getting 12 hours worth of work done. We just compress it um, and make sure we all have a really, really good time and love it. And, and you can only do that if, you, if you're talented enough and put the work in. But I think if you look, and you two are a really good example, I find people and I hang on to them. You know, that's one of the things is I think if you find someone, and to go to your question tone, which is have there been times when I've not been able to have the person, the only time that really ever happens is if it is a choice to do with an aesthetic. So if it may be something where there is a, there is something outside of the remit of musicality that isn't my world. Whereas there is a particular look or a particular thing, or if I've got an, uh, there's an amazing singer, but actually there's some really high end choreography that's involved and they may not be as good a dancer, you know, that side of it is, is kind of the only way. Um, but also, but just having trust from artists and artists bring, you know, artists do say, I've worked with this amazing guitar player. I'd love to use them in this band and it's their band. So I don't always come in and just change it for all my people. Um, but I think you'll, if you look at a lot of the things I've put together, there's a lot of similar faces in there. When it comes to auditioning, because um, I know in the past you've auditioned singers and musicians and if yeah. you have to audition, that means you don't necessarily know them, or maybe you mm. just you do, but you want to hear hear them play or sing. Yeah. Um, in that yeah. instance, without not kind of knowing them before, what is it that um, they bring that makes you think, okay, yes, this person would work in this team? I mean, to give you a specific example, um, Luke Fitton, who is in been in Kylie's band for a long, long time, even though he still looks twelve, <laughs> and he did a tv for kylie for the x factor where no one could see him because they were all dressed in pac-man outfits pac-man heads and um, he was playing bass uh i think bass on that yeah bass 
as a mime, like a band mime, Kylie Live, obviously. And um, we then were in a situation where we needed to find an audition for a guitarist. And we had a whole bunch of people come along, and they were all super talented, amazing, top-end, fantastic things. And um, a lot of them bought, like, massive amps and all this kind of, wow, it was all like a setup. And they were all really, really talented. But Luke came in, was immediately lovely, so fantastic, and just did the job that was required of him, did it really, really well, couldn't have been sweeter. And everybody that came into that audition could have done the job, but literally there was just that one thing where we were just drawn, and, he, and he'd done the work. The part was, was, was right. We'd asked him to do a specific thing. It wasn't, you know, embellish and solo. It was like, you are on stage, this is the song. I think it was Wow or something like that. And for musicians, this is probably going to get quite dull for people listening, but... So as much as it's about playing, it's about taste and sounds. And if someone's done the work and there was something like Wow, which is a very famous guitar line, if someone's come in and they've nailed it, so it's the right part, the right sound, and delivered really well with a good performance, and there's a lovely person, that's kind of really what I look for. Singers is harder because I love singers, and that is really, really tough for me. But if I'm looking at putting uh, putting singers together that a lot of times that becomes about a blend an individual blend between the singers but most importantly how they blend with the, the lead singer that's everything and you know you two know all about that and you you'll talk all about that you know because of the, the people you've sung with and how you change your voice to do it mm. but you know if you've got backing singers they've got to be able to figure out that blend and quite quickly um mm. so yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a mixture of talent um just general kind of vibe you know niceness and an ability to just be just to be really excited about what what they're doing and and accept the role of the fact that we are having fun we are really just doing the best job in the world that we couldn't be lucky enough we were so lucky to do um but we're presenting something usually on a stage with an iconic pop star that people have paid lots of money to go and see. Yeah. So we're representing that. So that's the level. Mm. Yeah. Another thing that is so incredible about your skill set is you've been working alongside you. You've been working with Kylie for 20 years, did you say? Well, yeah. I mean, we're trying to think about it. So confiding me was 94. So it's sort of, we've been working together for about 26 years but I started and the the first musical director job I ever did was for her which was 98 so yeah 22 years and Kylie's catalogue is just gigantic and there are so many Mm. hits it's just like mind-blowing and one thing that is always impressive one of the things that's always impressive about your work is how you always managed to deliver that catalogue and obviously it's not going to be the same set list in every show every year there's new albums there's special shows and Christmas things but how do you manage just to make her songs sound so fresh and reinvent them all the time so that you don't lose the essence of how amazing the song is but they just sound new and or maybe just different like and that could be 26 years of, yeah, 
reinventing the same song to keep it super exciting how do, how do you even do that i think um i mean i come from a remix background you know i started off as a very very young kind of remixer where i would be in a studio where when i was working as like a t-boy in a studio and all these incredible um multi-tracks or what would be stems now would be around and they'd just be i'd put i'd put them on and listen to stuff and I'd be able to remix things like, you know, like a Michael Jackson or a Nile Rodgers or... So I've always had this thing where I can weirdly hear a song and then hear it in another way. It's just an arrangement thing. With shows, my kind of starting point is whatever the creative is. So, you know, if you take something like... Um, I mean, you're right, Kylie's set list changes every year, but there's a bunch of songs you always have to do. There, there are there obviously are you're a fan mm. of someone you know so if you were to take for instance can't get out of my head which was the version that we people would know that we did at glaston that she did at glastonbury that was for a tour called golden which was to support an album which had a slightly more organic feel it wasn't country but it had that kind of feel to it and the creative director is incredibly talented, Rob Sinclair, and Kylie put together a whole creative for the album, and it was going to be a road trip across America. And we had a few kind of, uh, a little, we had a little soundtrack running in our heads of the kind of things that would be on the radio when she went across America. And some of that in there somewhere was kind of Fleetwood Mac. So it was a bit like, well, what if Fleetwood Mac did Can't Get Out of My Head? How would that sound? Um, but then if Fleetwood Mac did it, but then it was kind of remixed for 2019. So it had, you know, that kind of element to it. Um, so it's, it's very show-based, you know, but that same song, when we did uh, a talk called Aphrodite, there was a, where the creative at that point, it was William Baker said, he just wanted it to sound like a massive rock killers version. So I just went away and made that. You know, and for instance, Aphrodite, there's a Kylie song called Slow, where we had this whole thing where there was going to be a kind of almost burlesque fan dance. So the moment I see that, I was like, all right, I can turn Slow into Fever by Peggy Lee. I know how to do that. A lot of the times, I do come up with some of the ideas, but a lot of the times for shows, I'm inspired by the visual mm. and the creative. Yeah, right. And are you ever inspired by, um, I guess it's, is it right to say you're also inspired by the amount of music you listen to and what you hear? So if you are given a creative or a brief, yeah. is, is it almost like, oh, I've heard this before, or I know where to get that, you know, that influence from? Yeah, I mean, sometimes there's things like, you know, sometimes there isn't a creative, like, you know, there's a version of, of Love at First Sight that has been, we've, we've used quite, a, you know, for, the, for a few years and it opened Glastonbury. I mean, we changed that because we had the big, kind of choir opening with people singing way way high and um but sometimes it's like this just needs an update you know like there was we did a version of can't get um, get, get you out of my head for a tv show uh, end of last year and that was just like oh let's update it let's make it a, keep the original but then let's give it a bit and let's make it sound like you know 2020 Mm. so yeah sometimes but i've the reference point in my brain because i do still listen to and love listening and finding new music as hard as that is because there's so much out there and it's really tough to find the good stuff i'm still massively inspired by new music and you know and dance music and a lot of the times with kylie it is dance music and it needs to sound solid and fresh 
but also really good with the live band. Yeah, so I guess that that balance is re- very, very important then. Um, and I think what's interesting with the reinvention, you say you want to make something sound like the current year. Um, as a producer, yeah. is that kind of like, is that a, is that a kind of template mm. that everybody kind of follows do you find like every year there is just a a sound of the year that everyone's able to kind of bring into whatever they're producing to make it sound because like what does 2020 sound like for example well yeah I mean I suppose it's tough really because it's kind of needs to sound like the year but it also needs to not date within that year so it's just got to say I think it's just going to have a it's going to have a modern feel to it but I mean with Kylie a lot of her songs are four four kind of up-tempo songs so it's just making sure that you don't repeat yourself on 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 what it is and you know people like you know it's great people like the reinventions but they're singing along to the song mm. you know what i mean so it's, it's as long as you don't take away the kind of singability and danceability um and we're lucky with someone like tom meadows i mean tom uses is is for me the best at you know, triggering electronic sounds. Mm. So, you know, we are able to have kind of club kicks and snares and all that kind of stuff. So it does really, really pack a punch. Uh, and a lot of the kind of, the sound of, say, if, if you were to say the sound of 2020, for instance, is, is uh, Dua Lipa. Well, actually, that's a fantastic thing, but Dua Lipa, that's kind of similar to a Kylie record from six years ago anyway. Right. So it's like it all just works itself out, but it's just, you don't, you never want to sound old fashioned or never want to sound dated. And I try to make sure that never happens. Have you ever worked on a project that you're not musically inspired by Mm. or with an artist you don't, you're not particularly a fan of whether it's their sound or their vocal or, I, <laughs> I'm going to really disappoint you, but I think you probably know the answer to this is I never get to the point of working with them. I'm really good, I think, at sussing it out beforehand. Um, I need to have a love for an artist and what they do to be able to do what I do. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean... That I'm, there's artists that I might love vocally, but I'm not necessarily sure that we would be on the same level or get on with. And it's very, very tough. It's not like I'm amazing and can turn down work all the time. I'm absolutely not. But I know how I work best. And I, I haven't really been in that situation, to be honest with you, which is incredibly lucky for me to be able to say. But there's challenging things. There are people that I've worked with that have challenged me, but I like that. I kind of get, I'm really into that. I like someone saying to me, well, why don't we do it like this or that's wrong? I mean, I'm not right. You know, I make mistakes all the time. Um, but I honestly can't say that I've worked with someone that I, I don't like what they do because I just don't think I'd do a very good job. I think I'd let them down and let me down and let everybody down. I'd rather they went with someone that really loved what they did. I I always think with uh, experience comes the confidence to be able to say yes or no to projects and just to have that foresight of this isn't for me or I'm going to absolutely love this. You strike me as someone who is very confident with your choices because you've probably done it 
enough and I wonder was there a turning point for you um or do you still how do you feel about um questioning decisions you might make even if it's in the room if something's not happening how you might have planned it are you do, are you still confident with able just to go no I know I'm good at what I do this is why I'm here so because I think lack of confidence for me is something I I still work on as a, as a human being uh, a female singer um so I'm interested to hear from you how yeah how do you feel about your confidence levels I mean I, I, I don't I hardly ever have that I, I'm a big fan of gut feeling I'm a big fan of kind of if something feels right um and remember before I get into a room with musicians I will have worked on an arrangement that I would have worked on usually with the artist and got that arrangement to a point where the artist has signed off on it so I've already had that thing where we backed and forth a little bit about could it be this could it be that so once I have the confidence of the artist to say yeah I like what you're doing there um but then sometimes you get it in the room and it doesn't work um and sometimes I can I'm a, I'm a Capricorn we like to fix things so sometimes I can fix things yeah exactly sometimes we can fix things fix things straight away and sometimes I think it, it takes me a, a little minute you know like I will sometimes if something isn't working I'll just say let's park it and I'll need to just go off for you know and figure away in my head of doing it sometimes it's the next day you know we had a situation um with uh louise where i was working with katie on louise mm. and um we were doing a radio show and it was uh for stuck in the middle which is a really big louise hit and i just couldn't make it work i didn't like anything not any of my ideas they were all they all sucked everything was just awful and it wasn't down to how people were playing it or singing it it was just my interpretation was rubbish and i couldn't fix it um, and then I went away, slept on it, came back the following morning and went, oh, it's that. Tried it and it worked. Thank God. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm confident to a point where I'm, I know I do all that stuff in the prep. So I have to kind of really love something before I even let anybody hear my idea. And if they say it's good and if the artist and the creative say, yeah, we love where you're going, that gives me a bit of confidence. Mm. Um, but I'm always up for trying different things. Would you say that that also comes because you've got the time to create? So, for example, like you say, we all do our homework before a tour or a big show, and it would I'm sure it'd be weeks of planning. So do you think that also helps, just having the time? Because, you know, what would you do, or have you ever been in a situation where you've, you've got to turn something around, like, without that luxury of testing it out and seeing if it works? I've do, I do that in a band situation. I do that a lot with acoustic stuff where we're just throwing in and say, right, how are we going to do this? And that's quite easy because you've only got four or five elements and you've been in rooms with me when I've done that. Mm. Um, but I think for big show numbers, I mean, my job usually starts between five or six months before the first day of rehearsal on, on Kylie tours. So I'm getting inspired. I'm getting all those kind of things. So I like to have time to play and I like to sort of, I don't like being in a situation where I'm saying to the bass player, try this. Oh no, that's not very good. Try that. You know, it's, I like to have a, a template. It can change, but at least I've got a template that I can hear and go, yeah, okay, that's a good, good place to start. So I, but I can totally do it on the fly. I mean, you've seen me do it on the fly and I can do it, 
But if it's a big show number and it's going to be on in an arena tour with, you know, lights, dancers, and, you know, in one occasion, fountains, it's got to, <laughs> it's genuinely got to hit so many more peaks than just being able to do it in a room with a band. Right. So that's so interesting without dropping any other artists' names or teams. You know, I have heard through the grapevine that, you know, some things are literally just thrown together in a couple of weeks, three weeks for a tour or, you know, like we are all, like you say, we're all good and all confident, but not that good. It does show and you can see everybody's not quite there or prepared. So I guess to reiterate, preparation is everything preparation is everything and you know there are people that can really do that well i'm just i just can't it's just my process i'm not great at, i need a bit of time to think about it i need a bit of time to absorb it and try things out and seeing what sucks and what doesn't before i'm ready to present it to someone um and yeah yeah prep Every, i'm everything's about preparation you can't be more prepared and for me night one the first night of a tour should be the same as well night 40 of the tour because mm-hmm. the only thing that should change is the audience i don't believe when you know that you know the whole oh it'll be all right by show five because that's really disrespectful to the previous four audiences and audiences are absolute king and queen as far as i'm concerned i mean this kind of answers actually uh, another question we had lined up for you was um you as the md tend to not tour with the band for the duration of the tour um you will in my experience again you sort of will cover the first few shows make sure every everything's running as smoothly as it should be and you're happy and the artist is happy and then you're able to kind of go back to possibly whatever other projects you might be having but I think now I understand having listened to yeah, appreciating all that prep work you do four or five months prior to it. I'm almost mm. totally understanding as to why you might not need to then spend another four or five months on the tour. Because, <laughs> I mean, you, you are so ahead of everybody else because of your role. You know, the tour is still, the show is still fresh for us as performers on the stage, but this has been something that you and the artists have been working on from probably the year before so is that why you don't necessarily tour for the duration of the tours or is there another reason for that um there's there's a few things on it a couple of things one is um i've never in my entire life had any desire to want to be on a stage as a performer um i'm not that person um uh, technically from a playing point of view i'm probably not proficient enough to do that i'm i can play fine but um, I'm, I don't have the thing that you two have and that so many people have, which is that slightly, you know, that kind of love of performing on a stage. So I've never wanted to do that. And I think I was very lucky in, in the way that I, my first ever musical direction show was on Intimate and Live for Kylie, where we, were, we had a band and I just went along and just get sort of musically directed them, arranged it, put it together and left it. And then I thought, oh, I can do this. And again, that was that was a bit more doing it in the room back back in those days. Exactly what you say, the amount of prep. So once I've, if I come to a rehearsal one and I've done four months on it, you know, then we do another four weeks and then we do two weeks production rehearsals and then we do the thing. So by the time we get to it, I have a list of things, to, like a checklist to check off. 
And it's very similar to a creative director, really. It's like a music. You just get the show to the point where you can just tick all your bits off, make sure it works, and then the sh- then with the sort of shows that we do anyway, you then send it out into the world. And as you say, you're quite correct. I then go back and start that process again for another show or for an album or something like that. So I've... I, I, terrible being on stage i'm all i'm so no i just don't like being on a stage at all um i'm not an exhibitionist not saying you are but you like (laughs) you like performers you're very great you're very good performers um and the other thing i've always said is the musical director and some people do do this really well but an on-stage musical director i always think the person on stage is got has got so much to think about with what's going on on there and is everyone happy and is everyone okay you know, without having to think about middle of a rehearsal, that arrangement isn't working. We've decided this is going to be a flamenco version. Now we need to go away and do it because they've already got to learn a whole show and they've all got to do anything else. So I've always treated it much more like a Broadway show or a West End show where you have a creative team and we put the thing together and then, so you kind of build the house um, and then, but you don't necessarily live in it. Okay, and how do you how do you delegate in terms of finding that on stage musical director? Because in essence, that person would, I guess, have to be an extension of yourself. Yeah, not necessarily think exactly like you, but get your processes, um, understand your arrangements and how you've put it together and what you want to hear. What would you say is your criteria for finding that on stage musical director? It's a tricky thing because you're, you're giving someone a role, but not necessarily as a, in, a, in a creative way. So it is, a, it is very much kind of uh, like a sort of looking after it, um, so to speak. And so I, I always try and find people that are obviously musically proficient, technically proficient, because they're also running STEMs and um, with a lot of the artists I work with, Again, it's all about sounds. If you've got an amazing synth sound on a record and it's played live and that synth sound is some pony old rubbish that doesn't sound anything like it, you know, it's awful. So I like people that will sit there for eight hours to make a synth sound. And I like people that, you know, an all-rounder and also a leader of people. Um, because, you know, when, we're, when, when I've gone or the creative's gone or all these people have gone... Um, everyone's on tour and there's a person that is going to have to answer questions about or most importantly and this very rarely happens if something goes wrong you know where is the safe pair of hands um for me it's it's nearly always well almost always been keyboard players um i had um once was was for a while for a long while was andrew small was a drummer who was amazing um it's that level-headed approachability um based and then sort of slash technical prowess. Um, and again, I've been so lucky. I mean, even just to, to name two, I mean, Christian Galino has been with us for a long time. And then before that, David Tench, you know, you don't find two nicer, lovelier, more talented, wonderful people in the world. So it's, it's, it's a really tiny criteria. It's like I could almost one hand, really, mm. I could count the people that could do it. Mm. So um, it's a tough one. Um, interesting. You mentioned Andrew Small as a as a drummer. Yeah. Um, uh, I've seen Christian Galino. He's amazing. David Tench. You know, work from a keyboard point of view. You know, correct notes, things yeah. like that. But obviously, as a drummer, you're not 
you're not doing that. So like, how was he, how was Andrew Small able to kind of fulfill that role effectively, do you think? Well, I, the other thing about Andrew is he's a multi-instrumentalist as well. So he's got the whole thing. I mean, you know, Andrew made a record last year or something, I don't know, where he almost, I think, played everything on it, arranged everything. I mean, he's an absolute genius, Andrew. Um, and I think certainly when Andrew and I were working together, we did it in a slightly different way where we sort of almost split it. So there were certain songs where he did his thing because at, at the time we were doing it, it felt like the right thing where his approach would work really well for some of the songs from the, from an album. Um, but there were some things where, you know, there was, a, we were doing a version of I should be so lucky where we took all the key changes out and we made it like a trance version and he was sitting there literally playing electric kick and that was cool as well. So, um, yeah, he's, he's absolute genius. I, you know, he's so brilliant at what he does. And, um, and he was, he, you know, he was a different kind of leader of the band. Um, you have different people with different approaches, but, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it can be tough if you've got to, to go into a band where there's a creative musical director who's going to pretty much be saying, this is what it's going to sound like. It can be sort of tough sometimes, but then some people quite like it because then they don't have to worry too much about having to, as I say, when the creative says we need another 48 bars to cover this costume change and you need to go back to your hotel room and come up with an intro in like a night that's sometimes a bit more difficult to do when you're thinking about I mean you've just done a full day rehearsal Mm. you seem to take on a lot of work okay um despite covid (laughs) and what's happening now you know when you are at your busiest how many shows would you say you'd be balancing in a year and how does how does that affect you how do you how do you manage you know, how does that affect you psychologically, physically? You know, how have you found kind of the balance in that of, of doing that? Um, I mean, last year, I think we probably had seven shows this year. It would have been seven shows, seven completely different shows across the year with seven completely different sets of people. Um, in honesty, uh, that is my happy place. That is exactly where I live. And, not, and I... I it could be described as a workaholic and I do understand that. But when your job is the thing that you would do if you weren't being paid for it, you know, when your job is your hobby, it's kind of what it is. And, um, I'm very, you know, I'm very good to myself, especially more these days in my advancing years. Um, I'm very, I'm, I'm very careful. A kind of, I, I don't I have regular working hours a lot of people don't I do check into a, I work in the studio predominantly during the day and I have a stop point um we run our rehearsals as I said in very a very nice way in that we get a lot done in a short amount of time but we're not doing super late nights and ridiculous hours um but yeah I'm when I've got sort of seven shows and three albums are all bubbling around in a period of a year that's me taking care of myself, right. which is why since COVID has happened, the moment that all the shows went away, I immediately got six projects going from a recording point of view, just to make sure that I could keep myself happy. So okay. it's not it's the opposite of what most people, most people would say, oh my God, it's so stressful. It's, it's a nightmare and it's really taken a toll on me. It, it, the opposite would be, it's true with me. If I had nothing to do, that would be, that would be troublesome. Right. So uh, do what you love and love what you do. 
basically. If you have the opportunity to do so, yeah, I think if you can do it. And also just, I mean, you know, this year, it's not like people have been asking me to do some people. Have, I mean, I've done, I'm doing something, things for people, but it's kind of make your own luck as well. And I think if you want something doing, and this is kind of very similar to, to what you two have done is, you know, you recognize that there's a thing that you can do. Um, this year for me, as soon as we were locked down, I just made a decision after just, you know, shriveling up in a corner and sort of mourning all these shows that are gone. I just decided the focus of this year was going to be joy and trying to find ways of being able to make it. And even if it's making a record with an artist that doesn't have any budget, but just, I love, or, you know, a little video with someone that can put on line that people will be happy with, then that's kind of what we're doing just to kind of keep it going. Yeah, I, I love actually that um, the lockdown lifestyle has actually, for us creatives, has given us, in essence, the perfect opportunity just to kind of go back to the fundamentals of what we love and create. And I, I love that about you. I love that you're you're so productive um, and you've really made made a great influence on me like I've loved setting my home studio recording equipment up and recording myself and um yeah I like you really enjoy a little bit of structure with the days and I think that's why I I absolutely love working with you so much because everything is fun and I think we quite often get lost in that in in sometimes the busy Mm. you know music industry business of life it's kind of this has allowed us just to slow down and kind of go back to kind of playing with our toys you know we get to just create music and come up with some exciting plans and projects going forward that that is yeah that is definitely true I think the only thing that and and again you two you two will attest to this I think the only thing that's the slight downside which is actually changing now because a lot of studios are back is there is it's great we can all do stuff on our own, but there's a particular magic when you have a bunch of people in a room. And, you know, mm. you two have been in Amen. many, many backing <laughs> vocal sessions for, with me. Um, I mean, in particular, if anyone wants to go and check out um, a song called Love is a Battlefield by Luke Evans, there's a moment at the end of it, which <laughs> is, uh, which after working with these two for as long as I have, even they were looking at me with a kind of, are you actually serious? Uh, do you really want us to do that? Um, and But that happened in the room. Yeah. I didn't think of that until we were doing it. So, I mean, it's great we can do stuff like this, but also I, I, the collaboratory thing, me being in a room with talented people is is the bit that always takes it to the next level, I think. Mm. But at the same point, yes, I made, I made a record with Marisha Wallace where she was the singer and the choir, and it was all done in her front room. So we can do things. <laughs> we can and I think like you said earlier I think being able to prepare and work with great people just comes with that that kind of sense of care like yes we are at home and we're we're being creative but we're also honing our skills so that when we are ready we are ready to go I just find that there are a lot of people that come to us in auditions or just want to be do what we do and there isn't any there, there's just no prep you have to prepare for the opportunity not 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 the other way around you know and like you say you create your own luck by being prepared do the work <laughs> it's the billy porter thing it's the billy porter thing. Mm. do the work you know even if you don't have a job even if you haven't you know there's a i would recommend jamila jalil does a fantastic podcast um called i way and she did a really great interview with billy 
And he does that whole thing about, you know, if you're at home and you haven't got a job, do the work, you know, learn Dear Evan Hansen, learn Hamilton, learn every word, learn every, everything of every show that you really want to do. Because one day someone might call you up and say, the audition is tomorrow morning and you need to be ready. Yeah. So, you know, do the work. And the work is also learning from what's gone before and listening to music and watching performers and, you know, you, you, you two know this. I mean, it's, you, you can never be fully prepared, but um, yeah, just educate and do the work so that when that moment comes, you are fully ready. Definitely. I mean, and that is what we love about you. As soon as we are asked for, you know, to be part of a show, we know that as soon as we get stems and like the work has gone into it, so we are able to do our homework and I really love and respect that about you because there's so many other MDs that want to kind of do that in the room with you, which is also kind of cool. But it's like, I feel like sometimes mm-hmm. we need a fighting chance to just kind of get an idea of what the MD and the artists have come up with so that if we do need to embellish, you know, like the Abbey Road album is a really good example. There wasn't a lot of, from what I remember all those years ago, there wasn't a lot of, oh, mm. um, these are the stems it, there was a lot of organic creation that was very in the room i mean we but i mean we, we did two or three weeks rehearsal with that and i think we came in there were a lot of things that i that myself and colin who co-produced it had ideas for but that was that was really organic but again it was three weeks of prep before we even loaded into abbey road um Mm. and again like because everybody had prepared in the yeah. sense that we knew the songs yeah we can all harmonize we were like you know in in fact we, i guess we got a brief it was like live at abbey road of an orchestra okay yeah. it's going to be some really close harmony works how many pvs are there four mm. okay it was you know yeah, it was four <laughs> and 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 they weren't tracked either and it was all a lot of abbey road was very much a lot of one take stuff yeah well. so you know I, anybody listening definitely just do the work or just, yeah, or listen to music and just, and see, yeah, I mean, I think it's all about that. I think it's all about that. And, and yeah, and just learn. I mean, you know, you two have learned so much in the last few months about home recording, which you probably wouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. You know, you had an idea about it, but I mean, you're getting into the real intricacies of it now. And that's fantastic. Well, no, I mean, I think a lot of singers, I think a few singers have done this, but um yeah, it's great. It's getting into the creativity. Yes, it's thanks to you. Thank you. Thank you for your guidance. <laughs> That's, no worries. I'm probably babbled on for far too long, but there we are. Steve, thank you so much. Thank you. No, this is exactly what we needed and wanted. Um, I, even knowing, having known you for so long already, I've definitely learned lots more. And yeah, I hope everybody listening will find it really inspiring and insightful, as I'm sure they will. Well, well, thanks. And I think, you know, I'd say, you know, if anyone is listening to this and they do want to kind of get into the jobs that, that I do and you do and, and stuff is, you know, it's not impossible. You know, we all did it. You know, I mean, I did it, okay, a long time ago and I was, it was a whole different world. But actually, the, the way of being able to um, show, your, show yourself and be able to kind of represent yourself is even better now because, you know, when I started, there was no, or even when you really started, there was no kind of the whole SoundCloud thing, the whole thing. So, um, and you can really only do stuff by example. And I always think, you know, you're not going to walk into the first thing you do is going to be with a major artist. So if you're a producer, find a singer. If you're a singer, find a producer. If you're a musician, find a band. Just get stuff together and do the work and 
somewhere, somewhere along the line, you know, someone will see something, they'll mention it to someone who mentions it to someone else, and eventually you'll be in a room, and that will be the beginning of it. Um, and, it and it can absolutely happen. So uh, I, would, I would encourage it. If, if it's your passion, then go for it. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Steve, for your words of advice, your words of wisdom, and for sharing um, just your your experience, which, you know, we, we just cannot buy. You've been through so much musically. Um, one last question. How do you feel about the current climate? You work with um, a lot of people from various backgrounds, racial backgrounds. How is the current climate making you feel? I mean, my hope is, and this is talking as someone who's, 90% of my entire musical history, like I am self-taught. Um, I, I was self-taught to play piano and I'm self-taught by listening when I was seven years old on a tiny piano to Stevie Wonder cassette and just rewinding it going, hey, what's that called? What's that called? What's that called? You know, my there's so much of that. In my history is is kind of soul music and black music anyway. So I, I couldn't be more inspired by it um, as, as a producer and as a musician. Um, I, my hope is that everything that's going on now can only be a positive. It can only mean more inclusion. I mean, in the last two or three weeks, I've seen a, so much more exposure for things within um, within the, the BLM stuff, more um, within uh, within gay LGBT plus, you know, trans community. There's an amazing documentary dropped on Netflix called Disclosure on Friday. Um, which is all about the trans community. You know, we are so close from a trans point of view. You know, there's there's going to be an amazing trans pop star in the next year or so, a hundred percent. And and I can I just hope that it's all going to be positive. I think if it makes people, if it gives a bigger platform to more people to be more recognised, then it can only be a good thing. Um, and I and I and it needs more. It absolutely needs more. You know, and we've done a lot of auditions um, for singers. And, you know, whether it's not people feeling as if they should come forward or whether it's people not finding out, I don't know. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you, if you give us an amazingly talented, brilliant person, that's all that matters. So I, I would hope that this, for something so dreadful and so awful, I would hope well, that hope comes out of it and it means that we just see a much bigger uh, cross-section of people across this industry because it really is about time and, and yeah, it's agreed. ridiculous it's taken this long. Agreed. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much for joining us. No worries. Again, thank you, Katie. Thank you so much and thanks. <laughs> I love you both very much. And you. Likewise, always a pleasure. Um, well, thank you for tuning in. This was our second podcast you've been listening to the vocal code unlocked um and tune in next time see you later bye, bye.